But the reality is that really, really strong leaders actually not cut and dry like lead from behind, but actually collaborate in their leadership. They are quieter, they are gentler, and they are really, really good at taking in data and information and steering teams and steering others to make good decisions rather than being the person who makes all the decisions themselves. And what this book opened up for me was the idea that being an entrepreneur can be a career. The idea of business almost being a product in itself that can be bought, that can be sold, that can be, you know, it has a bigger purpose of creating cash flow that you can then invest into other assets, be that property, your shares, or whatever you want to do. And it just shifted my mind to this idea of what I think of as an entrepreneur, where the way it fundamentally changed the way I view business, the idea that a business is only a business if it works without you. One of the other really cool principles is at the end of the book, it's kind of hidden away. So when you read it, if you're like, I don't want to do open book management, totally fine. You don't need to. What you can do is you can roll out just the mini games. So there's a tiny little version of the games they call mini games. And that was the first thing we rolled out. And every single one of our teams, we have various different teams in the business, run their own mini games. And that, that mini game alone, let alone the great game, had probably one of the biggest impacts to getting the teams to self-improve and fix issues and uh, improve, whether that be improving the speed of delivery or improving quality or upselling more or whatever kind of area you want to be focusing on to drive that critical number in your business. So great game of business, highly recommend it, especially if you dream of having team members who think like entrepreneurs and try to solve business problems. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. I am Carl Taylor, and I'm joined by Peter Moriarty. And today's episode, I'm really excited. We're going to be sharing with you the most influential books that have influenced our business career over the last 15 odd years. And if you're kind of just tuning in for the first time, or you don't really yet know much about myself and Peter's journey, let me start by giving you a bit of an insight into my journey. Started business when I was 15 years old, knew nothing about business, came from a very middle-class family. We were not rich at all. And I built a business. I sold my first business when I was 18 years old for the grand total sum of $600. Woo! Then I moved on and got into another business. And I had an IT company for eight years, I was able to sell that in 2011, bought another business and all of these things, though, all these buying and selling businesses. And then I was coaching people, teaching people about buying, selling businesses. I was a licensed business broker. All of this stuff though has come about because of some of the influence of these key books that I'm about to share with you. And what I do now is my core business is automation agency. I've been running that for four or five years now. It's a bit blurry in my head. Uh, we do over a million dollars a year. I have a team of 40 and it works. 99.9% .9 without my day-to-day -day involvement. And I have a very location freedom lifestyle. I have a very financial freedom lifestyle. I have business freedom. And I've really been working on myself and finding other meaning and purpose in my own life. And that's come about because of some of the influence of these key books. So that's my journey. Pete, what about your journey? Thanks, Carl. It's uh, interesting, the parallels in our journeys. Uh, so like Carl started a business when I was 15. I'm a little bit more of a slow learner though. And I just kept doing the one thing. 
<laughs> so I started IT consulting, started helping people remove their viruses from their computers and those kind of things. I finished high school and turned that into a business service away from a, a kind of home, you know, consumer service and grew and grew and grew that business for 11 years from uh, when I was 20 to now. And that's now a large business, multiple millions, 32, 33 staff, successful, profitable, debt-free, location independent, growing rapidly, uh, have acquired eight other businesses and rolled most of those up into our existing brand, sold some off. And in my journey, it's been mostly focused on kind of be building one big flywheel, which we'll talk about with uh, some of the books that have been influential. So mine is IT Genius. That's uh, my business. I'm excited to be sharing this episode, Carl. It's uh, going to be a good one. Oh, definitely. And I, I think since you just shared your story, like let's go straight into your recommended and most influential books. Cause I know that I would absolutely be fascinated to know the key books that, cause there's so many books where right? we've read a lot of books. So we're distilling down out of lots of books we read, what have been the most impactful and influential on our business journeys. So it was a hard call for me to, to distill it down. I want to know what you've distilled it down to. So take it away. Sure. So I've kind of focused on the last kind of like eight to 10 years of business. Well, actually, Actually, probably that the growth phase of our business, which was probably year two or three in the business to year kind of six in the business. And they were really like the, the years that we took the business from a couple of people and like, you know, 300,000 in revenue to a real scale performance business. And so like there's, there's an honorable mention that I have to mention, which is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I read when I was 15 and like changed my life. And I was like, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to, I'm going to build wealth through business, right? That was like the book that got me there. But really these books are business books that are my recommendations. These are books that are about building a successful business uh, as a machine, as a thing that can operate itself outside of the founder. I'm a bit of a uh, capitalism fetishist. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about building this thing that will uh, create impact in the world through, you know, through a positive economy. And I really love that. So without further ado, let's get into my number one recommendation or my number one most impactful book. And that's uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins. So an amazing book, if you haven't read it, was a study that was done of a number of the most successful businesses in America that had beaten the market multiple times over in their growth rates. So if you had a marketplace of a particular industry, uh, these were the category leaders who had beaten the market by like three or four times in their growth rate. So these were really outshining examples. And so there was a study, I think it was 20 or 30 uh, example companies that they found and studied. And they distilled, a, I think it was eight principles from each one of those companies, some on leadership, some on business model, some on you know people management. I mean, I don't even remember all the principles, but I want to share one or two that are that are really meaningful from that. Um, but in in all of those, I think the few that were the most influential for me, or the or the ones that really really hit home. Number one was level five leadership, which is actually the, it's the first principle. It's the first one in the book. And level five leadership is really diametrically opposed to what you see in the glorification of entrepreneurs on social and on TV. You know, the glory entrepreneurs like, uh, you know, how Steve Jobs is painted and the Elon Musks are painted and the Bransons are painted as these like creative geniuses and super charismatic and always out there in front and in the media. And, and uh, you imagine from how they are portrayed, you imagine that in the boardroom or with their teams that they are always leading and always in front and, uh, and always the ones making the decisions, right? But the reality is that really, really strong leaders 
actually not cut and dry like lead from behind, but actually collaborate in their leadership. They are quieter, they are gentler, and they are really, really good at taking in data and information and steering teams and steering others to make good decisions rather than being the person who makes all the decisions themselves. So that's a really important one for me. Another important one for that is the hedgehog concept, which is what are you the best in the world at? What is key to your economic machine? So like what's the one number in the business that matters above all else? And oh my God, I've forgotten the third one. I don't know. There's something else really important in there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but trying to work out like what can you actually be the best in the world at? Like what is your essence as an entrepreneur and the essence of the business that you can be the best in the world at? Uh, that's another great concept, hedgehog concept. Third one that I'll throw in there, and I know we're getting deep. I'm going to wrap this one up, is uh, the flywheel. And that is imagining the momentum of your business to be a big stone wheel that you start pushing. Now, when you first start pushing that big stone wheel, it's going to be bloody hard and it's going to take a long time to get moving. But after you get that momentum going, it's effectively unstoppable. You couldn't stop it if you tried. Uh, and we both run subscription businesses. We both very intrinsically know the beauty of recurring revenue that just comes in every single month and even growth that comes in every single month if you get the growth piece right. What that book inspired me to do was, and I read it when I was in a lull. I was in a, I was in a, a struggling place in the business where I was demotivated and I was having one of those, well, it wasn't just a week or a month. It was probably a whole quarter where I was just feeling like, bugger this. Why the hell am I doing this? And it wasn't even like I should go and get a job because I never had a job before. <laughs> Didn't know what to do. But it was really one of those moments where I was like, I don't know what I can do with myself. I'm not motivated in this business at all. And I read that book and I worked out my why. And I worked out the why was, well, holy shit, we can actually change some lives for some business owners in the work that we do. If we help them get control of their tech, then we can help them get control of their life. We can help them get the control of their business and that will have positive radiating impacts into their life as well. And I was like, holy shit, like we've got to, we've got to do this. The world deserves the work that, uh, that we can do in our business. So Good to Great gave me, I didn't think it was, it's not a motivational book. It's a book about how to build a better business. Uh, but it motivated me. And so that's that's why it was life-changing and it makes the list for me. That's amazing. You've sold, I actually have not to this date read good to great so oh my god. Uh, you just oh you just god, have no. told me that i actually own the book it's been sitting on my bookshelf i just have never got around to reading it and i never prioritize reading it so you've, you've sold me enough to go all right especially if it's your number one most influential i'm gonna have i've to given you the best like 45 percent of the book but all of it is good so make sure right. you get to it i will so i guess I'll, I'll share my number one and the reason this is number one is probably because it was one of the most earliest influential books for me not necessarily because it was the best and it's the one i recommend you go and definitely all must read but it's probably the one that's had the biggest impact on the way i view business and that is a book called billionaire in training by brad sugars so brad sugars is an australian entrepreneur and um, he better known if you've heard of action coaching he, he founded action coach and uh, action coach had a very big influence on my early business career that really opened me up to the idea of learning. And so Brad Sugar's content in particular and billionaire in training, what I most got from that was I took away bigger vision than just a business that really I was self-employed in. You know, I, I think so many of us and definitely true of me, you get into business and it's you kind of think of your business as your career. And what this book opened up for me was the idea that being an entrepreneur can be a career. The idea of business almost being a product in itself that can be bought, that can be sold, that can be 
you know, it has a bigger purpose of creating cash flow that you can then invest into other assets, be that property or shares or whatever you want to do. And it just shifted my mind to this idea of what I think of as an entrepreneur, where the way it fundamentally changed the way I view business, the idea that a business is only a business if it works without you and that it is something that can be sold to someone else. It's not part of what I do. And if I stop doing it, it gets shut down. That's why Billionaire in Training is my number one most influential wow. book. We mentioned that just in the last episode that you're more developed in that area because of you're more developed in that area than me. It's because you've read that book and I, ha- <laughs> and I, and I haven't read that book. <laughs> there you I'm go. Just, I'm just going, wow, like that, what a significant mind shift. And so that's obviously influenced how you've approached businesses that you've been in, that you've started. When did you read that book? I'm curious. And in what ways? Probably about it, 22, you know, shown up in how you do things? 21, 22 years old. Wow. Awesome. So that's yeah over 10 years ago. And how's that shown up? Well, yeah, I mean, I've bought and sold various businesses. I, I played out the idea of like, he talks about the idea of you buy a business, you build it, you sell it, you know, you just like people do in property, you can buy a business, flip it, sell it. And, and so that very heavily influenced that. And I then ran a, my own coaching program, teaching people about buying, building and selling businesses. That book had a huge shift on the way I viewed business, the way I think about business. And yeah, just all of the Brad Sugar stuff, to be honest, like all the action coach books, instant cash flow. There's a whole instant series, but like those books and the five ways and the way that, that, that Brad teaches that has from a very young age, around 21 years old, just influenced the way I see business as very metric driven, very product based. I think that's really interesting that, you know, many business owners would not see themselves as entrepreneurs in that way. And I would say because so many have gone through that e-myth journey of starting as a technician and then graduating into a business owner. And hopefully one day, uh, you know, they start to see themselves as that entrepreneur. But if that's where you've started, like if you were cutting someone's hair or mowing someone's lawn or fixing someone's computer, you know, you don't see yourself as like buying and selling businesses. Like you see yourself as just selling your time because that's what you're doing. That would be a pretty big shift, maybe even for the listener. You know, you've got, sure, you've got the CEO level where you're, you know, running the business, but there's yet another level on top. And that other level on top is that, no, I'm, I'm the CEO of my assets and this business happens to be one of them. It's a game. It, it really shifts wow. it to see the game. The business is a game and you- I'm having shifts. Play. That's cool. <laughs> so what about you? What's your second most influential book? My second one. Well, I just remembered because I'd only put my list together a couple of minutes before this episode, but I just remembered that E-Myth is, uh, E-Myth is another highly commended one from me. Um, recommended, well, not recommended, essential reading for anyone on that technician to entrepreneur journey. Uh, but the one I want to talk about is the Rockefeller Habits. And that really helped us in growth mode. Now it's written by Vern Harnish. He's the founder of Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a global entrepreneur network. Great organization do really good things for entrepreneurs i recommend you checking out your local city chapter see if it vibes with you um the rockefeller habits was the original uh, name for the book it's now been rewritten or updated and it's called scaling up and it's all about how do you take businesses and what's the framework for scale and growth and it's very execution based that doesn't mean that it's just logical or just management it brings in the leadership the strategy the vision the kpis the execution of process and people uh, to bring all of that together. But it's basically a handbook for those that don't have an MBA 
and want to build a business, want to scale a business, or those that found themselves in a business, maybe you've done that entrepreneur journey, you found yourself in a business, you go, holy crap, what am I meant to do now? This is the handbook. And like, you know, for me, I never went to university or anything like that. I read this book and I was like, holy crap, this is the Bible. And what I love about the book is it's designed for busy entrepreneurs. They have a executive summary on each chapter. I've never actually read the whole book. <laughs> I, I only read the executive summaries of every chapter. And this has probably been the most important book for the, the last nearly 10 years of our business. And so we follow the frameworks to a T. And it's, and it's stuff like, how do you do planning yearly, quarterly, monthly? How do you set up the themes for that planning? How do you set up the KPIs to be effective? How do you get the people on board with that? Uh, how do you map out a one-page strategy and share that with your team and get really, really clear on all of that? And it's just so simple. You just have to follow the instructions and just bloody do it. And my God, the, the feeling of being in flow that our whole company feels like uh, after implementing that, you know, some businesses, they don't even have weekly meetings with the team or they don't have a, a quarterly get together, you know, to work on strategy for the business that's dedicated on strategy. And that is oxygen for us. We have to do that. And we are militant on making sure those things happen. But you know what the result is of that? The result of that is a slow year for us is 30 or 40% revenue growth. A fast year for us, we might double revenue. Now you might say, oh yeah, that's cool. Like early stage business doubling revenue, woohoo. No, no, no. Seven or eight year old business doubling revenue, like that is, that's just unheard of. And you know, the profitability and everything else kind of comes with it as well. But that's the one book on, for me, like how to run a business. And that's the one that you give to all of your leadership team. And you say, this is how we're going to do things. And then you just stick to the plan. And then you just have quarter after quarter of growth of solid execution. And yeah, sure. You have your challenges and you have your, you know, your quarters where you don't get everything ticked or whatever, but my God, that's a powerful book. It's just a framework for getting stuff done, for getting mm. a business rocking and rolling. And I really, one thing I liked about scaling up in particular was that they bring in a whole bunch of information from other books. Like they actually summarize yeah. and they don't hide it. Like they'll bring in bits and go, Hey, this is from good to great. And this is, so you actually, by reading that one book in some ways condenses a bunch of knowledge from all these other places. That's why it's kind of like that mm. Bible. Now for me, we don't follow it as militant as it sounds like that Pete does, but it was definitely, uh, I probably read it around a similar time that, that, that Pete did in my business journey. And, and that's one thing I would say is like, if you're in self-employed, early stage business, it might be a bit too early for you. That's in my, my, my mm. thought. Pete might disagree. But I, but if you're at a point now where you have a bit of a team, you've got decent revenue, your business, and maybe you've hit a bit of that stagnation and you're like, how do I move to that next level? Scaling up definitely for me is what this really- This is for when you've yeah. got like, you've got three people, you've got a couple hundred thousand in revenue and you're going like, what the F do I do now to grow this thing? And to be honest, there's a book called Traction, mm. which takes the best bits of good to great and the Rockefeller habits, because uh, the the guy who wrote Traction was a student of EO, and uh, and and he's built his own whole models and frameworks and everything. You could read Traction and get the best bits of Rockefeller habits and and good to great as well. But you know, scaling up is is really where it's at. If you've got that that business that has some runs on the board and you want a real solid framework, uh, it's, it's good stuff. And as you said, you can go to it like, if you've got people challenges, you just go straight to the people section. Or if yeah. you know, managing yeah. money is the challenge, you go to the finance section. Like It is one of those books where you just kind of go and get the piece you need from it, rather than you don't have to read it from cover to cover. It's not academic. Like mm. it, It's written by, I mean, he did run an entrepreneurship program, I think at MIT, 
but this is all from consulting to real world successful businesses where this this content has been built from my next book that i would recommend that has had one of the biggest impacts on me and i know it's also had a big impact in your business too is the great game of business and i actually mm. came across the great game of business and jack stack because of scaling up and Vern Harnish. Oh, I read wow. scaling up and Vern Harnish. And I think I was on their website, the scaling up website. And I was going through and looking at resources and I came across a video of Jack stack and I watched that. And then I heard he had a book and I bought the book. So it's a beautiful little parallel there. And I remember reading the book and just feeling like this whole excitement building in my body of going, this guy gets it. Oh my God, this is my dream. He, 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 he painted the picture of how you could build a business where your team think like you as the entrepreneur, where yeah. everyone is thinking yeah. like business owners. I remember reading it. I was kind of like, I felt like metaphorically salivating. I'm just going, Oh my God, this is the dream. If only I could have this. And I got like so business excited. Owner porn. Yeah, it is it's totally a bit like business owner porn. It was like, Oh my Erot God, erotic this, fiction. Would, this would be amazing. And so I went away and I really wrapped my head around a lot of what they were teaching. And then I started trying to figure out how to implement it in my business. And I ended up reaching out to a great game consultant in Australia to talk to them about going, hey, like I've read the book. Here's what I'm planning on rolling out, but I just need a few little kind of tweaks and decisions on how to make this work. And so that's one of the key things that for over two years now, I guess, we've been running the great game. Now we've rolled it out in various different ways. So in essence, the idea is gamifying your business to enroll all of your team members into the process. It's also a big thing about open book management. So one of the things that both Pete and I do in our businesses is that we share our profitability. We share our numbers, a profit and loss statement to our team. And they, for me at least, each line on the profit and loss has someone who's responsible for each number and they every leadership team meeting whether i'm there or not they're reporting on what the profit and loss is doing versus towards our goal of what we're expecting to do and how that links back to the performance and the bonuses and things that the team will get one of the other really cool principles is at the end of the book it's kind of hidden away so when you read it if you're like i don't want to do open book management totally fine you don't need to what you can do is you can roll out just the mini games so there's a tiny little version of the games they call mini games and that was the first thing we rolled out and every single one of our teams we have various different teams in the business run their own mini games and that that mini game alone let alone the great game had probably one of the biggest impacts to getting the teams to self-improve and fix issues and uh, improve whether that be improving the speed of delivery or improving quality or upselling more or whatever kind of area you want to be focusing on to drive that critical number in your business so great game of business highly recommend it especially if you dream of having team members who think like entrepreneurs and try to solve business problems for you rather than you having to tell them to solve it yeah i think it that comes into like a uh a much bigger piece of culture, uh, you know, building trust with your team, empowering the team to make good decisions for the business. Educating them about finance and business. Educating about business. My team, ask anyone on my team, they can tell you how to calculate gross profit or gross margin on the P&L uh, because, we, you know, we do quizzes and, and, and we get everyone up to speed on that. Uh, but to give you an idea about uh, how serious we are about this and how ingrained we've, we've built this into our business as well, 
we looked at the numbers for the year and we looked at, okay, what do we want to do for the financial year and what is the growth that we want in our uh, product? It's called Cloud Concierge. That's our, our primary product. We had a goal for a particular amount of growth. And what we did was we looked at that and we said, okay, well, here's the amount of profit that we're going to get from that growth. And here's what that profit will be over a number of years for the subscriptions and everything else. 40%, 40% of the first year's profit of that product, we actually paid out in a bonus. So the increased the increased profit for it. Now that that was like I don't know sixty seventy thousand dollars or something like that. That increase in profit that we were going to generate from the activities that we were going to do, and we said to the team, okay, that's the bonus for the year. That'll be distributed across the whole team, so everyone knows that they can contribute in in their different ways. And we split that up. You know, we were smart about it. We split it up. You know, per quarter. But if you know, you have one bad quarter and you miss the bonus, but we still get the annual target by making up for it. Then we back pay all the quarters and, you know, a few little clever things like that. But that really just changed the game and changed the dynamic for our team because now it feels like it's everyone's business and everyone's on board with making it, uh, you know, making it better, which is awesome. Yeah. Totally recommend it. So uh, what's your third recommendation, Pete? My third recommendation is, I think, just a, a bit of an homage to an, a couple of authors. So uh, David and uh, and I think it's Daniel or Damien uh, from Basecamp, the 37 Signals guys, uh, who've written a number of books. One is called Rework. The second one is called Remote. And the third one is called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. And these guys are pioneers on remote teams. They were one of the first uh, software as a service models. They've been around, Basecamp has been around for a long time, like 20 years, long time. They're also really, really, really just, you know, in their at their core, they care about their workplace being a happy and a healthy workplace for everyone working in that business. And I'm not talking about like four people sitting in an office and going for drinks on Thursday nights. Like I'm talking about a scaled company with over 100 employees who all work remotely at home, by the way, you know, having a business that actually works for all the employees, uh, as well as the customers and, and everything. And, and I, I just, I really love those guys' philosophy of business. I love all their blog posts. I love podcasts. I, I love what they've put in. And, and I think if I can take, if I could distill one bit of kind of, uh, you know, advice or information from the vibe that I get from the Basecamp guys, that is to really question and rethink what a business should be. Uh, you know, they really buck the trend of large organizations with lots of lots of layers of hierarchy. Uh, they buck the trend of I can't monitor if my employees are working or not if they're not coming into a physical office where I can watch them uh, and control them. They really buck the trend of you know endless meetings and replying to emails and, you know, just other things that happen in a business when we get sloppy and we start building in bureaucracy to hashtag manage growth. They really push hard against all of those things. So uh, yeah, it's, it's refreshing. It's cool. Uh, some of their ideas are, uh, are radical, but I love them. And uh, that's my recommendation. So any of those three books, either uh, rework, remote, or it doesn't have to be crazy at work. All right. Well, uh, you know, it's a good thing it's not a competition because you would totally be winning. You've, you've already put a couple of honorable mentions. Now you've given three books as your third recommendation. Just over-delivering, wow. Carl. Yeah, over I love giving, like, love giving like, extra. Like crazy here. Um, so my third recommendation is a book by Seth Godin. Now, Seth Godin's written a number of books. So, hey, I'll put an honorable mention out there for Purple Cow, which is a book he wrote all Classic. about kind of standing out. Um, but I, the book that had the biggest impact on me from Seth Godin was a book called The Dip. And The Dip is specifically all about, I can't, the subtitle is something along the lines of like when to stick and when to quit. And 
the number of times that internally in my own mind that I've reflected back to the overarching principle that he shared in that uh, to help me decide when I was like, am I going to keep doing it the way I'm doing it? Or am I going to change or quit what I'm doing? And basically, if you imagine like a hill, right? Whenever you start anything, whether it's learning a new language, whether it's your business, whether it's implementing a new strategy in your business, there's always going to be like a bit of a, you know, like a hill that you're climbing. And you get to a point where you feel like you're at the top of this hill and you're going, yes, this is amazing. And you think like, yeah, I'm unstoppable. I love this thing. I'm, I'm amazing. My business is great. And then what happens is you enter the dip where you now go back down the hill and maybe that dip is even lower than where you first started the climbing the hill in the first place. So now you're in this big kind of valley, this trench between what you can't tell is that there's actually another really big hill in front of you. So now you're in this huge, huge valley and, and crevasse. And then in front of you is another big hill to climb. And this is where- Everyone knows about that. <laughs> Every, everyone knows about the pain Oh, it's not a valley. It's a treacherous <laughs> dungeon, forest, oh, jungle. Yes. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, and we all and we all go through this at various depths, yeah. various stages, and we get into this dip. And sometimes the dip is only going to last a couple of hours or a couple of days. Other times, the dip can go for years, maybe even decades. And what he talks about is getting clear on when it's okay to quit. Because I think sometimes there is a, there's a lot wrapped up, especially egos. We do have a lot of egos in our businesses usually because mm. it's very close to who we are and we identify personally with our baby that we've started or we bought or whatever we created. And so sometimes, especially if you've said things publicly or to your friends, and then all of a sudden you're like, you get new data or you start to go, this is too hard, I'm not gonna do that. It's very easy to start to go, ooh, but I'm, am I quitting? Like, am I giving up and failing? And how do I know when I should stick with something and when I should quit? The idea of knowing that you could keep pushing, it, that no matter what dip you're in, there will always be an exit of that dip. But one of the biggest takeaways I took from the book was realizing that sometimes I'm just not the best person to get out of it. Sometimes it's not, so it's not that it's impossible. It's not that I couldn't get out of the dip. It doesn't mean that the business couldn't, that someone else could do it, but realizing that, you know what, based on everything I know about me, the team, the tools, myself, my own goals, my own vision, whatever, that maybe, yes, I could keep flogging this and keep trying to do this thing that doesn't seem to be work or try something new and grit through the pain. Or maybe I could just do something that would be more aligned with what I want to do and it'll be easier. And then I can go and do that instead. That shift of kind of almost the allowance that it's okay to give up sometimes it's okay to change tracks is probably one of the biggest impacts that business gave me because it gave me a framework to be able to allow myself to change tracks without labeling myself as a failure and going oh but i said i was going to do that and i'm giving up so what are the, what are some of the biggest things you've given up on well i mean originally the automation agency business model was very different to what it is now it was not a subscription-based service it was uh, going to be a lot more high priced we were high priced you know 10 15 grand projects and that was something i was very keen on and we were going to do this and then eventually i went to a low price model i completely changed tax to a low price model now in some ways you could think that that would be a give up uh, even before I started automation, see, I was running a coaching company. I was running events and seminars, teaching people about buying, building, and selling businesses. And then I quit coaching and I started a service business. That was another one of those areas of going, could I continue to grow this coaching business? Absolutely. It's definitely doable. But when I took everything into account, it was smarter and there was a need and it was more obvious to change tracks and stop doing what I'm doing and go and do something that was more aligned to me and more aligned with the people around me who were screaming out for help 
that I could see I could offer a solution to. Um, at one stage, well, and one stage, this is before I read the book. Yeah, before I read the book. So I didn't have the framework, but I gave up on business. There was one point that I actually gave up on business and went and got an apprenticeship and got a job. That's the only real kind of semi job I've properly had. It wasn't quite full time, but it was because it was an apprenticeship. But yeah, like I think that was for at least six, six months or so. I actually was getting up going to this apprenticeship and that was a time that I quit business and then I quit the apprenticeship and went back to business so <laughs> you're familiar with the dip I am familiar <laughs> you're, with the dip you're dip, you're dip pro <laughs> and, and and I think that you know I'm not I don't pretend to be perfect in any way shape or form I still go through the dip and I'm sure at times I quit something that maybe I was on the cusp of having great success on uh, but I just I know that when something feels aligned or not that's what I'm doing now and it's the best decision in that that moment that I make. So yeah, if you're wondering, if you're in that, especially if right now you're in a situation where you're going, I'm not paying myself or this business is sucking or you know, this market I'm going after sucks. Like if you're in one of those dips right now, go and read the book, just soak it in and then make a decision. I thought you were going to say, just quit. That's easier. <laughs> you don't even have to read the book. Just quit. <laughs> no, because it's worth it's worth knowing when it's worth sticking to it. But I kind of feel like with Seth Godin's books, I love Seth. Like I I gush over this dude speaking and everything. I kind of feel like if you read like the title of the book and the back page, like you don't really have to read the book. Is that true? Yeah, I I would agree. Like the the, the title of his like it, well, he got, became really famous for his blog posts that were all like you know one yeah. sentences, right? Like they're super short. Yep. So he is very succinct in being able to get a message across. Mm. Uh, unlike us in sharing a, these books. Yeah, I agree. You could totally read the read book; that it'll title. be faster than this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I have I do have a final recommendation. This is probably one of the most influential, and you most likely have read it or you've heard someone recommend it. It's a very popular book. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek. I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> the 4-Hour Workweek. For some people, it is a bit like their Bible yeah. uh, by Tim Ferriss. And this book in particular for me really drove home and introduced heavily the idea of uh, what people might call outsourcing, the idea of uh, hiring uh, other people from not just in Australia, outside of Australia. So that was a big influence to me about the idea of the virtual assistant world and the virtual world. And so obviously for Pete and I, that's had, that's very much how our business is. You know, the, the, all of my team are remote. I'm the only person in Australia. Everyone else is all around the world. And the other big thing that I took away from the four hour work week was he really introduced to me the concept of lifestyle, building a lifestyle business, and also realizing that cash flow is far more important than the asset. Now, I've had some shifts in thinking and I, I see the value in both, but I do still agree that in the early days, cash flow is what matters. And if you want this, whatever amazing Ferrari or whatever thing you think you want, right? And that's like gonna cost you, let's say it's something you wanna buy and it's a million dollars. Well, you might be able to rent it or lease it for 10 grand a month. And when you think of it yeah. that way, all you need to do is bring in the 10 grand a month. You don't need the million dollars. You just need 10 grand a month. And it shifts the way you think to, I need to make a million dollars to, I just need to get to $10,000 a month. And so that was a huge shift in my own thinking to go, oh, okay. Some of these things I thought were impossible or were so far away became more plausible, more possible. Yeah. Shifts of cash flow, target monthly income, TMI, he talked about like, 
what is your TMI, your target monthly income for the lifestyle you want to live. And then he also really introduced the idea of location freedom, the, the idea that you could live anywhere. And, and a lot of people go, oh, the four hour work week, it doesn't exist. Well, I can tell you it definitely does exist. You can do less than four hours if you choose to. But uh, he's not like people who say that are not wrong. It's not necessarily as easy as uh, he makes it out in the book to be. And it took me probably at least a decade. Well, to get I, there. I, like, I think you can do it if you're happy to have a dropship business and live in Thailand on a thousand dollars a month. Like, you know, that, that's pretty easy to get that done. Uh, you can get that squared away. But, you know, for many people who have goals around family and lifestyle and uh, not, you know, moving to a Southeast Asian country, it's not necessarily going to be more than four hours, but it's going to be different. It's going to be different. The big thing that I took away from that book was the lifestyle design, mm. which is you design the life that you want that works for you. And that might include mini retirements. It might include location independence. It might include, you know, shifting your business model so that you have more freedom for yourself or you have, you know, people helping you out with more things that you don't really want to do yourself. You being in charge of that design. Uh, like, you know, I, I, I just, I love the idea of like, like you can jump on car next door in Australia and rent a Porsche for a day for like 150 bucks. Like, you know, and so if, if you, if you just want to get a kick and I, I love my cars and I, you know, I, I just want to drive them all. So I don't have the, I don't have the financial appetite to uh, keep up with, well, I don't have the financial capacity to keep up with my appetite, but you know, like being able to take that concept of, well, you know, what do you actually need to get that experience versus having to own it? And I think it's a very like, sorry for anyone listening. It's a very boomer mindset of like, I've got to own this thing. I've got to own the boat. And I've got to own the house, you know, like, you know, Carl and I rent, I mean, we're investors, we have property, but we, you know, we rent and a lot of investors say to rent where you want to live, right? But, you know, tying yourself down is kind of one concept there that we're trying to break down. But the other one is the mindset of I'll be happy when, mm. uh, or oh. I need to build this thing because of this, this fairy tale thing in like 10 years. And look, if you bust your ass and you and you buy the Ferrari in 10 years, like awesome, go you. Like, you know, if, if you really wanted to tick that box, then bloody tick that box. Like, you know, do what's right for you. Don't forego your happiness and a kick-ass life in between now and then. Because you can you can have it right now. You can have it right now. And even when and I won't say I was broke, because I've I've never been like broke, broke, you know, but like when I was pulling 30, 40,000 a year out of the business and I was living on two minute noodles with my mate. We were still going out and getting drunk on the weekends. We were still having fun. I was still having international holidays. Yeah, sure. I was traveling in Asia rather than in Europe. You know, I still got to have the lifestyle that I wanted. And that's my priority. I've, you know, I've, I've prioritized lifestyle. It's when you're growing a business and, and I don't want to make this all butterflies and rainbows to the listener, you know, you know, the struggle that you go through and you know what you put on the line and you know, the dedication of what it takes. And, and quite often, if you put five things on your hand, right? One is fitness. One is time with family and friends. Uh, one is uh, building wealth. Uh, I don't know. One is what else? Have I missed anything? Purpose, um, career, something per like some, career, something purpose, that feel fulfillment of some kind. And, and then the last one would be like you know healthy eating and looking after your body, right? Like you, and it's like pick three, right? You can have three. Like you, you at certain times you are going to have to sacrifice some of it. I totally get that, but there is also an ability to shift what your priorities are and just don't forego the fun stuff. Don't forego the, the important stuff for this imaginary 10 year down the line thing, because it's not much fun to backpack 
with drunk 20 year olds when you're 26 i've done it it's not much fun <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you want to if you want to do the kentucky tour like do it when you're 20 i mean and you know i don't know how old you are you may have missed the boat on that one literally the point here is is that like you've got the opportunity to design your life so take control of it now don't wait and i want to i you know i want to add to that if you're listening right now and you're not in a business i've had this conversation recently with two people who are you know One's in a very corporate job. The other was doing some kind of freelance-ish stuff as a, as a, like a contract job and the contract came to an end. And I was having a conversation with them both separately about the idea. They were like, oh, like a lifestyle like mine sounds so amazing to them and so far out of reach. And I was like, I get mm. that. But I said, if you wanted to, you know, you could do the trip. Because one in particular said, oh, I, I really want to travel, but I'm going to need to get a job. I said, well, why, why is it either or? Why can't it be both? And I pointed out that even if you are currently an employee rather than running your own business and you don't have that location freedom, you can pick up your life if you choose to, to say Thailand, and you can get a role teaching English in those Asian countries. And therefore you will get enough income to pay for a, a, a comfortable lifestyle you can comfortably live on 30, 40 grand a year easy in, mm. in Thailand. Oh, you're, you're balling. Right? Like you, you can do amazing, you're great. And you can go there and you don't even need to have a business like Pete and I have. Or mm. you can just have a few skills you can market and sell online. There is, there is value there that you can offer uh, people and, and you can have that lifestyle. So it's, it's not about going, oh, when I do, as you said, when I do this, I'll get that. Ask yourself the question, what do I want? And then how do I get that? now and as you said maybe you want to travel well maybe you just change it from traveling to the expensive places and you travel to the cheaper places or you, you find a way i remember a person a mentor of mine said early like if you want to you want to own a boat buy a boat business don't buy the boat buy a business how do you get other people to pay you to own the boat you know and it's it's kind of to me it reminds me of that same concept what's the thing you want and then how can you make that possible without necessarily thinking the usual way that most would think about it. So I think it's um, if it flies or floats, rent it, don't buy it. <laughs> yeah. There's a third part to that joke that I didn't mention. Moving along. I think if you're right now not in a business and you're thinking, wow, this lifestyle seems really cool. There is also the option of working for a business like this that is flexible. So a business like IT Genius or automation agency that has a role for that is a remote company. These are called remote companies where there is no primary office. Uh, there may be some offices, but there's no primary office and people are able to work from home. You could be anywhere and work for that business. My general manager lives in Melbourne, works between home, uh, between a home office and a, and a co-working space that he likes to work from. He happens to work flexible hours that he likes. He works from 7 a.m. and I think he knocks off at 3 p.m. And in the afternoon, he has some family time and then he takes his canoe out and he fishes. And he's the happiest that he's been because he has that flexibility. And he also has stable income as well. Like he's absolutely cheering. So there are alternatives to just going down the entrepreneurship route if you're not yet there. We've shared a lot of books. There'll be links in the show notes to find all of these books. And uh, we won't put who recommended who because I don't want you to see that Pete recommended far more than I did. You're probably going to go, well, where do I start? Just pick one book and read them. Don't buy them all and go crazy. Um, just pick one and start reading. That's my, my recommendation. My other little tip is I've been using an app called Blinkist. We will link to as well, uh, which does great book summaries on both audio and text. I would recommend 
if you wanted to go through the blink of a book, uh, which is the, like it's a 15 minute summary. It's very, very quick. I really like listening to one book and then doing nothing for about half an hour and just letting it process and percolate. Like don't listen to books back to back uh, if you're doing the summaries like that. But then after you've listened to a book and if you're finding yourself going, F yeah, that's really good stuff, uh, then go get the full book and, and, and dive deep into it. I don't know if the blink of something like Scaling Up or The 4-Hour Workweek, mm. which are very practical books, I don't know if a summary would really hit home there. As I you mean, say, it's a good taste test where if it seems to gel with you, test. you can go and, and buy the whole book. Yeah, a, a lot of these are you know probably in-depth journeys for you to go along. And in that case, yeah, pick one that's, that's a good fit and uh, go for it. Uh, but if, if you are struggling from book overwhelm, which I have been, then I really recommend Blinkist. That's a that's a good one to just churn through. Like if you are if you want to read a book on leading people better, because that's what you got to work on this month, then like I'll just go through a 15 minute summary, smash through it and go, okay, cool. I got the key points there. Nice. Great tip. All right. Well, that's it from us. If you'd like other book recommendations from us, if you want to know books around relationships or books around other areas or specific marketing books, if if there's a particular topic you would like us to recommend the most influential books for us. Let us know. We'd love to do a future episode on that. As always, if you've liked this episode and all of our episodes so far, leave us a review, leave a comment, share us with your friends on social media, let any other entrepreneurs that you know about, because we truly believe in helping more entrepreneurs continue to rise through their journey and become that rising tide that is lifting all boats. It's contributing back to society through their business, through their own personal growth. And so if you know other people that would really resonate with that, or they're wanting to do that, please share this show. Please help other people find access to this content because we just want people to, to learn and grow and to be able to get value from our experience. Make sure you hit up rising.show for all the show notes, uh, links to other episodes. You can uh, hit us up on social media, slide into our DMs if you want and uh, get any other info that you need on Automation Agency or IT Genius and plenty of other resources as well. All right, that's it from us. Bye. See you guys. Bye.